$3.5 trillion. And 61% of it unaccounted for. Oh, we'll cover that tonight. Remembering Pearl Harbor. Today is the 7th of December, the date that lives in infamy. We'll take a special look at that, a first-hand account of that day back in 1941. And China, TikTok, and the midterms. Yep, that and more. we got a lot more coming up tonight. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We're live across Rumble.com, of course, our main channel. And thanks to all the folks who check out our video, whether it's live or the uh, replay. Uh, also, <clears throat> we're live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch.tv. We're on all four platforms right now, live across the planet we call Earth. And we're also a podcast. The audio part of this show gets sweetened up a little bit. And then 15, 20 minutes after we're done being live, you can find our podcast. Same show, just the audio. All the same links in the description, everything else, so you can always follow along. And uh, you will find us on uh, iTunes, Apple, uh, Spotify, of course, did a, had a great year over on Spotify. Thank you to all of our listeners on Spotify. Geo7 in India, where we have a fairly good audience. Hello, India. And also, you know, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, all the podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcast, look up The Jay Sheldon Show, give us a follow and a subscribe. We really appreciate it. The subscriptions are what really help the show to grow. <clears throat> and so we thank you. It doesn't cost you anything does us a great deal of good. So if you appreciate it, the work we do here, thank you. And uh, be sure you subscribe. And you also don't forget to subscribe and follow on our live video. Also, Rumble, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, any of those platforms, wherever you're watching right now, just hit that subscribe or follow button. It's free. Again, doesn't cost you. Helps the show out a lot. And, of course, one of the things you can find on our show at the beginning of every episode is this little lady's update. Where is she? No, not that. Where is it? There it is. Oh, my God. Go update. Uh, this camera operator tonight and our switcher are just... They're not following the program, folks. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. All right, Miko update. Yeah, so anyway, there she is. She's doing great. She's downstairs right now hanging out. Kind of had a lazy day today. Didn't do too much. Uh, a couple of good walks this morning and tonight. And uh, met up with some of her puppy dog friends. So, uh, yeah, had a great time. And uh, she's doing very well. Eating once again like crazy. She is back on her appetite. So she's done really well as far as that goes. And, uh, yeah, so... The little lady's doing great, and now she's three years old. She just turned three December 1st. Our Miko update, of course, is brought to you by these guys, BarkBox.com. Have you checked this out yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Check out our special link, BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. BarkBox is a subscription service, and every month when you sign up, you can sign up for one month, six months, 12 months, Every month, you will get a box full of themed toys, 
treats and a dog chew and your doggy will love it you'll love it too but especially your dog and you know that's what it's all about right so they've got great themes as a christmas theme right now they've done netflix uh, stranger things they did star wars raiders of the lost star i mean you name it they've done all kinds of cool themed boxes the toys you can specify small medium or large depending upon the size of your dog and for the treats, which are all natural, all good for your dog, and the chew, you can specify if your dog has any allergies, fish, chicken, beef, whatever it is, and they'll make sure you don't get that. There's a tick box when you place the order. Now, this is available in the U.S., U.S. territories, and Canada, and that's it, I'm afraid. Unless you have one of those forward shipping services and you're in another part of the world, or maybe you've got a friend in the U.S. or Canada and you can have them, you know, it can be shipped to their house. They can forward it on to you. That's another way around it. Some people have done. But do check it out, BarkBox.com slash Miko. If you use our special link, links in the show notes, top link, uh, you will get a free month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. You sign up for six months, you'll get seven which, of course, means also the cost per month is reduced. You sign up for 12 months, you get 13. So, yeah, free month with a multi-month subscription. There's a little yellow box there when you get to BarkBox.com slash Miko. Once you checked out the site, just click on that link and you're good to go and you will get the deal. Yes. So thank you to BarkBox.com slash Miko. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, wow, what an amazing day. Uh, oh, by the way, this link is not in our show notes, but it uh, I just wanted to uh, send a tip of the hat and a congratulations to um, Michelle Yeoh, Malaysia's own Michelle Yeoh, who was named Time Magazine's Icon of the Year. Wow. This amazingly beautiful, talented woman who it doesn't matter where you are on the planet. I know I'm in Malaysia, but we here in Malaysia could not possibly be any more proud of this amazing woman. She's such a talent. She has uh, just done it all. I understand, too, that uh, Everything Everywhere is up for some Oscar stuff this year, so who knows what she might cap off her year of getting honored with. I hope so. But congratulations again to uh, Datuk, I believe it is, Michelle Yeoh, and her being named Icon of the Year for Time Magazine. Fantastic. All right. What's that worth? $3.5 trillion? Yeah, probably not. You know, when are you folks going to say enough is enough? When, when are you going to say, stop, enough? This is unbelievable. This story hit the headlines today. Defense Department fails another audit. Oh, but makes progress. The Defense Department has failed its fifth ever audit, unable to account for 61% of its assets. They just don't know. And we're not talking about a hundred, couple hundred thousand, few hundred million. This is 3.5 trillion with a T dollars, more than half of which they can't account for it. 
1,600 auditors combed through their assets and trillions in liabilities. Officials found the department couldn't account for about 61% of its assets, Pentagon Comptroller Mike McCord told reporters Tuesday. McCord said the department has made progress towards a clean audit in the past year. Really? How bad was it before if it's 61% you can't find now? He later added, we failed to get an A. Look, that's not funny, okay? You're making light of a situation in which... What is, by the way... Hang on, let me just switch out of this. I got to get a new window open here. What is 61% of 3.5 trillion? My math sucks. 2.1 trillion dollars unaccounted for. Don, hey, hello there. All right. Watching over on Facebook. Yes, and you are exactly right. Insane. Insane doesn't begin. Look at that. $2.1 trillion out of 3.5. That basically they just say, don't know, can't account for it. And this idiot McCord, again, making fun of the situation. Hey, (laughs) indeed, my friend. Uh, I wouldn't say we flunked. The process is important for us to do, and it's making us get better. No, it's not. It's not making us better as fast as we want. This year's outcome was not unexpected. Oh, really? You expected to suck. Is that it? It's just beyond me. And these people are completely unaccountable unaccountable why is why isn't your legislature the senators saying hold on now wait a minute here's another article from gate the gateway pundit these links by the way are in our show notes if you want to read the whole article pentagon fails another audit over two trillion in assets included in the failed audits not surprising because the pentagon has never completely passed an audit. In typical Groundhog Day fashion, the Pentagon has failed another audit. Yet for the most part, nobody seems to care. That's my point. That's why I wanted to talk about this. Exactly what this article from the Gateway Pundit says. The media, the government, you, citizens, why aren't you on the phone with your representatives screaming bloody murder? Year after year after year, they fail to account for trillions of dollars. Yeah, and it's all okay. This recent failure marks the fifth year the Defense Department failed to meet the audit requirements set by Congress. Your former War Department cannot account for all of its assets. So, how bad was it? If you ask the lead money man of the five-sided building, not that bad. I mean, it's only a couple trillion. It's incredible. Read this other article. This is amazing. 
And it's from the Gateway Pundit. The link is in our show notes. It's time, folks. It is time to stop just sitting there and expecting other people to do things that you need to be doing. You need to get up and dance. You need to start bitching and complaining about these idiots, these morons, who, who have no... What's the word I'm looking for? There's, there's no penalty. That's it. There's no penalty for what they're getting away with. People just shake their head, suck their tongue, walk away. Unfreaking believable. And it just keeps happening. Wow. All right. Um, yeah, no accountability whatsoever. You're exactly right, Don. Exactly right. All right, today is December 7th, 2022. But a great number of years ago, on this date in 1941, the combined air and navy forces of the Japanese Imperial Army struck Pearl Harbor. And you know what? Until I was researching this today, I didn't realize. I mean, we've all seen the footage. I'm going to play some of it for you coming up while I read this article. But what I didn't realize is that the bombers, the Japanese bombers, did not only hit the ships in Pearl Harbor. Some of those bombs were targeted on areas near Pearl Harbor, in and around the city. So there was a great number of people injured and killed um, in the attack on Pearl Harbor that were not in the harbor because the Japanese also targeted and bombed areas of the city. I, until today, I did not know this. Uh, what an eye-opener. All right, now I got to figure out how to do this because it's going to be a bit weird, so bear with me. There's an article from the uh, uh, readersdigest.com, rd.com, and it is a full-time account. Dawn has shared the stream. Thank you, Dawn. Uh, one survivor's unforgettable story of unfathomable courage at Pearl Harbor uh, told in full for the first time. There is a picture of this gentleman. And uh, what I thought I would do, if I can figure out exactly how to do this, so bear with me for a second, okay? Uh, let's go over here. Okay. While I'm reading this, I'm going to play for you this newsreel of footage. It has been colorized. And normally, I'm not a fan of colorizing but to me, it really made this footage stand out and be that much more amazing. So while you take a look at that, I'm going to read this because it's amazing. It's a first-hand account. A little after 5 a.m., the overhanging deck on board the USS Arizona. I awoke on my cot. I stowed the cot away and then went to shower. Afterward, I dressed in the clothes that sailors wore on Sundays, pressed white shorts, a white t-shirt, and my sailor's hat. 
At 5.30, Reveille sounded over the intercom. Below decks, men headed to the showers. 5.50 a.m., open waters, 230 miles north of Oahu. Japanese armada gathered. The attack force consisted of six aircraft carriers, two battleships, two heavy cruisers, one light cruiser, nine destroyers, eight tankers, and three submarines that escorted the carriers. The ships turned east into the wind and increased their speed to 24 knots. Japanese carriers at 6.15 and 6.30 launched 183 planes from their decks. The first wave of planes included 51 dive bombers, 40 torpedo bombers, 49 horizontal bombers, and 43 fighters. 6.30 a.m. Chow call sounded. I ate typical Sunday fare, coffee, powdered eggs with ketchup, fried spam, pancakes. The USS Arizona was one of the 185 ships of the Pacific Fleet moored in Pearl Harbor that day. The number included eight battleships, two heavy cruisers, six light cruisers, 29 destroyers, and a number of auxiliary vessels like tankers, repair shops, ships, a hospital ship. Because of poor weather, the fleet's three aircraft carriers remained at sea. 6.30 a.m., outside the entrance to Pearl Harbor. The USS War fired on an unidentified sub. It sank, and the destroyer finished her with a depth charge. The ward reported the sub sinking to authorities at Pearl Harbor, but the report was passed so slowly, no alert was given to the other ships. Shortly after 7 a.m., Opana Point Radar Station, Oahu's North Shore, Army Privates Joseph Lockhart and George Elliott completed a shift, but Lockhart stayed to give the more inexperienced Elliott additional training on the radar equipment while they waited for breakfast. A large blip appeared on the screen. Private Lockhart concluded it was a formation of planes approaching Oahu. At the same time, Japanese carriers launched a second wave, which included 77 dive bombers, 36 fighters, and 54 horizontal bombers. Ten minutes later, Private Lockhart notified Fort Schaefer, but the operator told him that personnel had gone to breakfast. On Lockhart's radar screen, the blip was now 100 miles north of Oahu and closing. At 7.20, the operator called back. Lockhart answered. Lockhart's superior officer told him a squadron of American planes was arriving at Pearl Harbor that morning and the blip had to be them. 7.40 a.m. above Oahu. Captain Mitsuo Fuchita led the first wave of Japanese planes along the island's north shore. Nine minutes later, his radio man signaled for the attack on Pearl Harbor to begin. 7.51. Japanese Zeros attacked aircraft, hangars, and buildings on the airstrip. 7.53. Enemy planes struck the airship as Fushita radioed on broadcast, Tora, 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 which meant a lightning attack, and alerted his superiors the surprise attack had been achieved. 7.55. I was below decks while prep for morning colors sounded. 
At the start of each day, a signalman in the Pearl Harbor Tower raised a white and blue prep flag. That signaled the color guards on the ship to raise their American flags. Seven battleships moored on Battleship Row along the southeast shore of Ford Island. Ford was a small island in the harbor, cut in half by a runway. The Arizona was sandwiched between the island on one side and the repair ship Vestal on its seaward side. I stepped into the sunshine on the forecastle deck. I heard the drone of aircraft engines and bombs exploding on Ford Island. Several of us ran to the bow to see planes on the runway bursting into flames and the water tower toppling over. The men pointed overhead. Craning my neck, I recognized the red meatballs on the silver wings of the planes doing the bombing. Japanese Zeros emblazoned with the nation's rising sun disk. They circled in figure eights like birds of prey, and we ran to battle stations. I sped up the steel ladders to get to my station. As I was running, I felt a wallop on the ship's hull, followed by a muffled explosion. I raced up one ladder to the radio shack, up another ladder to the signal bridge, and a third to the bridge, and finally a fourth, to the sky control platform. I looked over my shoulder at the harbor, which was in chaos. A zero bore down, splintering our deck. It flew so low I could see the pilot taunting me with a smirk and a wave. The air defense alarm sounded, followed by general quarters. Attention, attention, attention. Man your battle stations. This is no drill. This is no drill. That first-hand account of what happened on the morning of Pearl Harbor is a link in our show notes. It's rd.com if you want to specifically find it. Looking at this footage I've been playing while I was reading this account is frightening. Unbelievable what these men and women went through. Happened today, 1941. Wow. Unbelievable. All right. What else we got going on here? Wait, why is this 3.0? Oh, okay. <laughs> you got to bear with me, folks. I'm doing things a little back-ass words tonight, so... I'll get to it. Uh, by the way, the link to that uh, YouTube video that I just played, you'll also find that in our uh, in our show notes tonight. So you can watch the video for yourself if you want. Please do. All right. Hang on a second. I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> Give me a moment. All right. Hey, you know what? I, I don't think he's in the uh, audience tonight. But uh, Alv Aldwin, is it? Uh, he knows that I'm a Trump supporter. Sorry if that offends you. I just am. I like the job the guy did. I think he got cheated out of the last election. And that's just me. You don't have to agree with me. But anyway, he said, I'm such a fanboy. And I said, no, I'm not. If something happens with Trump that I don't agree with, I'm going to talk about that too. Something happens that, thank you, Don. powerful. Um, if something happens that I agree with, we're going to talk about that. And uh, 
This is a link in our show notes about something that is not particularly pro-Trump. It's from Blaze Media. A jury has found the Trump Organization guilty on all counts of criminal tax fraud. Ouch! A jury in Manhattan returned a verdict of guilty against two companies of the Trump Organization on 17 counts of criminal tax fraud in a 15-year scheme. Wow. Prosecutors uh, said the company gave executive expense perks that were unreported, including luxury cars and apartments. It also paid for private school tuitions for relatives of executives. Apparently, that was also unreported. Yeah, old man is right. Uh, Trump himself was not charged in the case, but investigators said in court, The former president did know about the scheme at the former president's real estate company. This was a case about greed and cheating, said Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. The Trump Corporation and the Trump Payroll Corporation got away with a scheme that awarded high-level executives lavish perks and compensation while intentionally concealing the benefits from the taxing authorities to avoid paying taxes. Today's verdict holds these Trump companies accountable for their long-running criminal scheme. And uh, somewhere in here, ah, here we go. They face up to $1.6 million in fines when sentencing happens in January. So next month. Spokesperson for the Trump Organization said, of course, they plan on appealing uh, the... uh, the, the verdict. So we'll see what happens. We'll follow along as best we can here and keep you updated. But yeah. So there you go. Uh, to those of you who think I'm, you know, this big fanboy of the Donald and he can do no wrong, that is not true. When I see stories that are not pro Trump, you're going to hear about it too. Also, Blaze Media links in our show notes. We did a whole show about this idiotic TikTok and how evil it is and how you'd better not have it on your phone or your kids' phones. And if it is, you better get rid of it. Wipe it clean. It is nothing but awful spyware. Here you go again. Chinese state media used TikTok to run propaganda campaign against Republican candidates in the midterm elections from Candace Hathaway. The Chinese state media used TikTok accounts to launch a propaganda campaign against Republican candidates running for 2022 midterm elections, according to a report released by Forbes. This is not some little outlet here. This is Forbes. Last week, Forbes uncovered several news-related TikTok accounts that failed to disclose their affiliation with the CPP, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, their media platform. China's Central TV. The largest accounts, which accrued millions of followers and tens of millions of views, included at Panadorama, at The Optimist, and at News Talks. They were managed by Media Links TV, a U.S. based outpost for China Central Television. Covered decisive topics, including abortion race, 
and gun rights. Millions of followers, millions of views from this ridiculous piece of Chinese spyware, TikTok. I'm not going to reiterate everything I've said before. You want to go look at the past show I did where I gave you all the evidence you need of the way TikTok spies on you, can access all of your data, all your friends' data, all your contacts' information, all your personal information. Dump TikTok now. And you're going to get a fight, but get rid of it off of your kids' phones. Your kids under 18, they're still under your roof. You still have control of their lives. Force them to dump this crap software. It's garbage. Okay. What have we been doing? Oh, my goodness. We got one more. I always like to leave you with a good news story or something sweet. Well, this is something sweet. This is unbelievable. This is from interestingengineering.com. You're not going to believe this. Scientists have just found mountains of sugar, sugar, beneath the ocean, hidden, not kidding. Check out this article. This is unbelievable. Take a look at this. Many coastal areas around the world are home to lush green meadows, all thanks to seagrasses. The only flowering plants growing in marine environments. These meadows are absolute magic. One square kilometer of seagrass stores nearly twice as much carbon as land-based forests. So does, uh, and it does so 35 times faster under the sea, which makes seagrass as one of the most efficient global sinks of carbon dioxide on Earth. Well, that ain't the only remarkable thing about them. A new study has revealed, listen to this, articles in our show notes, submerged beneath the waves, seagrass ecosystems hold colossal reserves of sugar we never knew existed before. Thir- the equivalent of 32 billion cans of Coca-Cola's worth of sweet stuff hiding in the seabed. Naturally, that holds some major implications for mitigating climate change, carbon storage. Scientists from the Max Planck Institute for Marine Microbiology in Germany reported in a study just published by Nature Ecology and Evolution that seagrasses release colossal amounts of sugar into their soils, actual sugar, which is known as the rhizosphere. Under the seagrass, sugar concentrations unexpectedly 80 times higher than previously measured in marine environments. Yeah, what? (laughs) Exactly. To put this into perspective, we estimate worldwide there are between 0.6 and 1.3 million tons of sugar, mainly in the form of sucrose, 
in the seagrass rhizosphere. Unbelievable. And again, it's roughly the amount of sugar which would be contained in 32 billion cans of Coke. Seagrasses produce sugar during photosynthesis. Most of the sugar is used by the plants for their metabolism and growth under normal lighting conditions. But the plants produce more sugar than they can store or use. And all that excess sucrose, sucrose is released into the rhizosphere. Apparently a ton of it. Tons of it. This is incredible. Check it out. It's such an amazing story. Yeah, the universe is so amazing. You're right, Don. It really is. Uh, the whole article, there's more to this story. And if you want, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You check it out. The link is in our show notes if you want to know more about it. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Wow. All right. And... Oh, okay, never mind. I don't need that. Okay. What I do need is the title to our book. If you don't know, or maybe you just found the show, what we do at the end of every stream is we read books, classic books. We have done The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Little Prince, uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, you name it. We've done so many great classic books here on the stream. We read a, a chapter a night or maybe half a chapter if it's a long chapter. And we go all the way through the whole book until we get to the end. And then we move on to the next book. And right now for the last, oh, I don't know, 22 chapters, <laughs> we've been reading the original Bambi, which was written in German and uh, authored by Felix Sultan. Uh, it was translated into English it pretty much follows the animated Disney film, which came out back in 1941 and then was re-released a whole bunch of times after that. I think when I saw it, it was the release that was done in like 1966. I was probably, I would have been about eight years old, I think. I saw it at the Skyview Drive-In in Torrington, Connecticut. <laughs> and I still actually remember watching it. I really do. I don't have a lot of memories of way back then so many years ago, but uh, I do remember that. Anyway, we've been reading Bambi. It's followed along pretty closely to the way that uh, Disney did the animated uh, film. And so we're going to continue on with chapter 22. We only got about three more chapters. By the way, these books come to us from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. And uh, when we're done with this one, I don't know what we're going to read next. And we'd like to take suggestions from you. So if you want, go over to the Gutenberg Project, find a book you like or one you think would be great to read out loud, and, and uh, send me along a suggestion. You can email me at show at jsheldon.com, S-H-O-W, show at jsheldon.com, or send me a PM on the J. Sheldon Show Facebook page. I read all your messages. I reply to everybody always, and uh, it'd be great to hear from you if you've got a suggestion for a book that you'd like us to read. All right, let's continue on here. It's chapter 22 of Bambi. One morning, something very bad happened to Bambi. The feeble gray of dawn was creeping its way through the forest. A milky white mist rose from the meadow, and the quiet that breathed the change in the time of day stretched itself out everywhere. 
The crows were still not awake, nor the magpies, and even the jay was asleep. Bambi had come across Faline in the night. She looked sadly at him and was very shy. I'm by myself so much, she said quietly. I'm by myself too, Bambi replied hesitantly. Faline seemed disheartened and asked, Why don't you stay with me any more? And it pained Bambi to see that Faline, once so gay, once so bold, had become earnest and downtrodden. I have to be alone, he replied. He wanted to say it in a soothing way, but it sounded so hard, he heard it himself. Faline looked at him and quietly asked, Do you still love me? Bambi did not hesitate and answered, I don't know. She went calmly away and left him alone. There he stood under the great oak tree at the edge of the meadow, looked carefully out there to see that all was safe, and drank in the morning wind. Every time there had been a storm, the air was moist and refreshing. It, it smelt of the earth, of dew and grass, and of wet wood. Bambi breathed deep. He suddenly felt free in a way he had not felt for a long time. He felt gay as if stepped out into the misty meadow. Then came a clap of thunder. Bambi felt as if something had shoved him, and it made him stagger. In a panic, he leaped back in the woods and continued running. He didn't understand what had happened. He was quite unable to collect his thoughts, but he just kept on running. His terror kept a tight grip on his heart and took his breath away as he blindly rushed forward. But then suddenly a piercing pain ran through him, but did not think he would be able to endure it. He felt how it ran hotly over his left thigh, a narrow burning thread starting from the place where he had first felt the pain. It forced him to stop running. It forced him to walk more slowly. Then his shoulders and his legs seemed to go lame, and he collapsed to the ground. He was seen by Labsol as he just lay there, resting. Get up, Bambi, get up. The elder stood beside him and pushed him gently on his shoulder. Bambi wanted to retort, I, I can't. But the elder said again, get up. Get up! And there was such urgency in his voice and such tenderness that Bambi said nothing. Even the pain he felt in every part of his body abated for a moment. Now the elder spoke hurriedly and in fear. Get up! You've got to get away from here, son. Son, it seemed as soon as the words slipped out of his mouth, Bambi hurried back on his feet. Right then, said the elder. He took a deep breath and continued to urge Bambi on. Now, come with me. Just stay with me all the time. He hurried forward. Bambi followed them, even though he was yearning to drop to the ground and lay still and rest. The elder seemed able to see this and spoke to Bambi without pause. 
Whatever the pain is, you've got to just bear it. You can't even think about lying down. Never think of that at all. That by itself will make you feel tired. Now you've got to just save yourself. Do you understand, Bambi? Save yourself, otherwise you're lost. Just bear in mind, he's coming after you. Do you understand, Bambi? He won't show you any mercy. He'll just kill you. Come with me. Just come with me. I'll, it'll soon be gone. It's got to go. Bambi no longer even had the strength to think of anything. The pain surged up in every step he took, robbed him of his breath and of his senses, and the line of heat that burned down into his shoulders brought a deep, delirious excitement into his heart. The elder went round a broad circle. It took a long time. Though his veil of pain and weakness, Bambi was astonished to see that they were suddenly beside the great oak once more. The elder stopped and smelt the ground. Here, he whispered, here. He's here. Here, too. The dog. Come with me, faster. They ran on. The elder suddenly stopped. Can you see? he exclaimed. This is where you were lying on the ground. Bambi saw where the grass had been pressed down and saw a broad pool of his own blood soaking into the ground. The elder smelt the place carefully. They've already been here, him and the dog, he said. Now come with me. He walked slowly on and continually stopped to smell the ground. Bambi noticed the drops of red on the leaves of the bushes and the grass. We've already been past here, he thought, although he wasn't able to speak out loud. Good, said the elder almost gaily. Now we've got behind them. I'm feeling better. Bambi promptly answered, and all of a sudden he was able to speak again. He could think clearly. He felt less tired. At another pause, the elder ordered him, You go ahead now. And after he'd been walking behind Bambi for some time, he said, At last, they stopped. Your blood has stopped running out from your wound, so it won't show where you are anymore. He and his dog won't be able to find where you go to take your life. The elder looked very tired, but there was a cheer in his voice. Come on, then, he continued. Now you need to have a rest. They arrived at the broad gully that Bambi had never been across. The elder climbed down into it. Bambi tried to follow, but it took him a lot of effort to climb down the steep slope on the other side. The fierce pain he began once more to feel went through him. He fell over, pulled himself back up, fell over again, and began to gasp for breath. I can't help you here, said the elder. You've got to get up here yourself. And Bambi did get up to the top. He began once more to feel the hot band of pain that shot down his shoulder and felt for the second time he was losing his strength. You're bleeding again, said the elder. That's what I expected. It's not much, though, and he added in a whisper, it doesn't matter anymore. They made their way very slowly through a grove of beech trees as high as the sky. 
The ground was soft and smooth. Didn't take much effort to go through it. Bambi yearned just to lay down here, to stretch himself out and not move a finger. He could just not go on any further. His head hurt. There was a buzzing in his ears. His nerves were quivering and his fever began to shake him. His eyes went dim. There was nothing more inside of him than the yearning for rest and a vague astonishment at how his life had suddenly been interrupted and altered, at how he had once used to go through the forest in good health and without injury. Just that morning, just an hour earlier, it seemed to him now like the happiness of a distant time that had long since vanished. They passed through a low thicket of oak and dogwood. The fallen trunk of a beech tree lay across their path, deeply embedded in the bushes. It was very big, and they could see no way of getting past it. Now we've got there, Bambi heard the elder say. He walked the length of the beech trunk, and Bambi followed him nearly falling into a hole in the ground. All right, said the elder. You can lie down here. Bambi sank down and did not to try to move any more. He saw the hole in the ground under the fallen beech trunk was deeper than it had seemed, creating a small chamber. The bushes at the edge of it closed over him as he entered so no one could see in. Once he was down there, it was as if he had disappeared. You'll be safe here, said the elder. Stay here, and don't go anywhere. Days went by. Bambi lay in the warm earth, the bark of the fallen tree slowly rotting above him. It listened to his pain as it grew inside his body, became stronger, and then abated, weaker, and went down, steadily softer and softer. Sometimes he would struggle outside, where he would stand weak, unsteady on his tired, unreliable legs, and take a few steps to look for food. He began to eat herbs that he'd never before noticed. Now they'd suddenly began to offer themselves to him, called to him with their scent, and had a strange and tempting sharpness. What he had until then despised what he would have thrown away if he inadvertently got it between his lips, now seemed tasty and spicy. Many little leaves, many short stalks, continued to seem unappetizing even now. But he nonetheless ate them under some kind of compulsion, and his wounds healed more quickly, and he could feel how his strength was coming back to him. He'd been saved but still he didn't leave his chamber. He would only come out at night, take a few steps around, but in the daytime he would remain quietly in his bed. It was only now, when his body was feeling no more pain, that Bambi realized that all that had happened to him, he was able to think once more, and a feeling of great horror arose within him. His character had been shattered. He wasn't able to simply wipe it away, not able to stand up and run about as he had before. He lay there and felt so many emotions. Alternatively, disgusted, ashamed, astonished, disheartened, but soon afterwards full of melancholy, and soon after that full of happiness. 
The elder was nearby at all times. At first, he was at Bambi's side day and night. Then there were times when he left him alone for short periods, especially when he saw that Bambi was lost in his thoughts. But there was no time when he was not close by. One day there had been a storm and thunder and lightning. The sky had been swept clean, and that evening in the sun, as it went down, shone over a sky that was blue. The blackbirds sang out loudly from the treetops. The finches flapped their wings. The tits whispered in the undergrowth. In the grass and under the bushes close to the ground, the metallic bursts of the pheasant cries could be heard. The woodpecker laughed in loud celebration, and the pigeons cooed from the yearning for love that was inside them. Bambi stepped out from his underground chamber. Life was good. The elder was standing there as if he'd been waiting, and they wandered off slowly together. But Bambi never went back across that gully never went back to see the others. Wow. That's chapter 22. Just a couple more chapters to go, and then we will be done with the story of Bambi. I'm very interested to see how this story ends compared to the film. So we'll move on on uh, Saturday night with chapter 23. Can't wait. All right, friends, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we got some new uh, viewers and listeners out there, so thank you so much for popping by and taking part. Be sure you like, follow, share, whatever, subscribe, whatever your uh, platform you're watching us on. And we will see you again on Saturday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. We'll do it all over again. <laughs> Thanks, folks. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. Snort. <laughs>